Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. This is the Christian Fellowship Community Forum session number 24. Hard to imagine that we've had 24, but we do. And uh, I'm Ron Jolson, your host. I'm very pleased to greet all of you from the field and also from the home office. I see a few from the home office as well. Uh, And now the moment you've all been waiting for, and I'm so excited to uh, introduce my good friend and colleague uh, and just a special man, John Folkert, uh, who has been with Northwestern Mutual since 1993 uh, after obtaining a degree in finance from Grand Valley State University. Uh, John's practice uh, tends to focus on the advanced executive comp and wealth transfer or a state planning group and on a national basis. So John engages throughout the U.S. with many of the people on this call, I believe, uh, with largely with large privately held and publicly traded corporations ranging from 50 million to 30 billion in annual revenue. So that's the focus of his practice. John is currently here we go. Once again, Northwestern Mutual's all-time leader in career production. And in addition, John has been a forum member 26 times, John, I think. Uh, Top 20 in premium credit for 13 years and seven times number one. Uh, He is a Coley leader for six consecutive years. He served as treasurer, executive officer, board member of the Lone Survivor Foundation, and also serves on the Board of Governors, for the Van Andel Institute, and in his spare time, he enjoys spending time with his family, uh, working out, uh, jujitsu, and mixed martial arts, as well as riding motocross. He's a busy man. He's obviously driven. We all know him and love him. So welcome, welcome, John Folkert. And I just want to wait one more thing. Uh, I just want to say that I've enjoyed presenting with him on the main stage. I still get occasionally an email or a phone call uh, from somebody who remembers that, and that's where we coined the phrase "math is math" together on the stage. And I'll still get people. I don't know if you do, John, but every once in a while, somebody will mention that one. So we're we're entitling um, today's session "Unlocking Your Platform," and you're going to hear uh, more about what we mean by that and what John means by it. Uh, but before we do that, John, I would just like to kind of open it up, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, as we often do with these, just share with the group a little bit about your faith journey. Sure. Um, thanks so much for carving out time to uh, listen to me this morning. <clears throat> um, so I I was raised, and for generations, <clears throat> excuse me, my family was members of a Dutch Reformed Church. Now, there's many different denominations of the Dutch Reformed Church. The one that I and, and everyone's experience could easily be different. The one, the church that I grew up in was what I would call very angry or fear-based. Um, people were more interested in what it felt like, um, well, first of all, salvation, I think, was based on church attendance. And if you went, you know, twice on Sunday and Wednesday night for catechism, and they were less interested in loving on each other and lifting each other up. excuse me, I had uh, severe ADD as a kid, and I likely still do. So I probably did not get a lot of Bible knowledge out of my church attendance. But what I certainly gained was a very, very healthy fear of the Lord. Um, The sermons were very fire and brimstone like. And I can remember so frequently um, the pastor 
at the end of the sermon, pounding his fist on the pulpit, and he would yell at us, what if Jesus came back today? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? When he would point at us. And I was sitting there in the pew just cowering, and I was like, mm, no, I, I'm not, and I don't think I am. And the problem is, is that it was never followed up with, you know, here's a blueprint or here's things that you need to do in order to get to get saved. And um, so I was left for 40 years wandering around in the desert like the Israelites, wondering where I was going to end up for eternity. And, you know, it really can wreak havoc on your soul. And it really allows the devil to get a, a stronghold on you when you don't feel like you truly are saved. In fact, when my grandpa Folker was on his deathbed, he actually said to me, I sure hope I've done enough to make it to heaven. And that was terrifying to me because he epitomized what it meant to be a Christian. And I felt so much guilt, shame, and inadequacy uh, that I certainly wasn't good enough. And and frankly, until recently, if someone asked me, you know, if, if I was going to make it to heaven, my answer would be the same as his. I would say, well, I hope so, which really, really upset my wife, Melinda, by the way. <laughs> I can see that. I, oh, is that a cue? She's going to come in and say something? Probably. <laughs> She's on, so <laughs> I didn't know she was going to join. So now I'm really under pressure. So okay. Well, I got to say that uh, I hope you you recognize today that you definitely are not good enough to make it into heaven. Neither was he. But <laughs> hopefully, you have you have a different view at this point. Um, but so so you went through this really, I guess I would call it severe church experience, fear-based, and sometimes people say fear is the opposite of faith. Um, I'm I'm just sort of curious, um, what did you learn as a result of your kind of church experience, and especially about this sort of fear versus faith? Anything that you could share with us, uh, what may have come out of this? Well, yeah, I'll get to the fear versus faith in just a minute. The one thing it did, the building block it did put in me, if anything else, is um, the fact that, you know, I need to be, it was hammered into me that you you need to be in church on Sunday. You have to go to church on Sunday. And that was <clears throat> because of the fear. That was something that was a powerful motivation, which, you know, that could be viewed as both a, a negative and, frankly, a positive, because it was a building block or brick that I I really never wanted to deviate deviate from. So after high school, and I, I'm not sure I love this term, but I started church shopping, and I was drawn to uh, non-denominational Bible-based churches. And in the late 90s, a, a new um, Bible-based church opened up in West Michigan, and it was awesome. I, for the first time ever, I started to feel uh, not so much fear, but feel God's love. And the pastor started, when he started the church, he did what I think is probably the most difficult thing in that he um, he studied cover to cover their, the, the book of Leviticus, and he made it amazing. Um, so um, after that, you didn't um, sacrifice any bulls or anything on the on the altar in that <laughs> church, did you? No, no. Okay, no. good. Let's check uh, it. So anyway, he um, his goal was just to um, 
read the book of Bible and read the Bible and let God take the wheel. And um, a few years later, he started writing some books and some of the books initially started to deviate away from what the Bible taught. And at the time I was in a Bible study with some construction guys that were Dutch reformed guys in the, on a Tuesday morning. And one day, one of the guys in the group, um, attacked our church, which was the first church I truly loved, and then personally attacked me. Now, um, I'm not proud of this, but I had a, a fairly short temper back then. And so I sucked it up and I waited for him to us to walk out of Bible study. And I followed him into the men's room. And I, again, I'm not proud of this, but I assaulted him in the men's room. And I made it very clear <clears throat> he shouldn't ever attack our church or attack me personally again. Again, I'm not proud of this. And by the way, what kind of psycho beats a guy up at Bible study? I guess me. It's um, eerily reminiscent of Johnny Wright's talk last year, but keep going. Okay. So anyway, but I was just passionate about the church and wanted to defend it. Now, a few years later and a few books later, he really started to drift away from what we thought was was God's truth written in the Bible. And um, we were deeply hurt by this. The, our family left the church. And shortly thereafter, he went to Hollywood. And what that taught me was that if you put faith in people, at some point, everyone, we're all fallible. Someone can disappoint you. But eventually, I learned that if you put your faith in God, he'll never, ever, ever fail you. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, that that is uh, one of the, the problems that, you know, no church is perfect, right? And you can spend all your time going church shopping, you know, oh, well, this church is doing this and that's not right. And so you go to the next one and you can find yourself spending uh, all of your time always being the new person, maybe never having to get involved. Uh, or maybe when it gets a little bit difficult, you move to the next church. Uh, did you didn't I'm taking taken by what you said you didn't feel that way you stuck with the the church you were at pretty much or or what happened no we left in fact mm -hmm. um after the combination of my childhood church trauma and then what happened to, at that church that I truly loved um <clears throat> all those scars added up and um we just had enough so we started doing quote unquote church at home and um I am absolutely not completely unqualified to do what we did, but every Sunday morning we would open up the Bible, read some scripture, and just start to open up a dialogue and have a, a, a family Bible study or a, a sermon at home. Um, I can only imagine the scars I caused for our children during this. Um, I'm sure these sermons were just amazing and riveting at every level. And this was during the, the height of the global war on terror. And so I'm sure every sermon ended with, and this is why Al-Qaeda must be eliminated or something equally Christ-like. But uh, today, um, we absolutely still love our Bible-based church in West Michigan. And we recently started attending a, a similar church here in Texas with Keith and Jeanette Wagner which has been awesome. And as far as I'm concerned at this point, the more I can be fed spiritually, the better from as many sources as possible. Um, so um, as far as a definition of, you know, the church, I would say any community that you get together and you are truly trying to love on each other, 
learn the Bible, talk about it, be open and lift each other up. Anything that you could be fed spiritually in any place that you have community, I would I would consider church at this point. Okay, so you went from a very, very strict, this is the only way kind of church to what I would call being a little bit more open, maybe to the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, ha- as to uh, what you need at a given point in time and basically uh, how you can best worship and be close to God and also, I assume, experience corporate worship, which is different, but where you really do need a church in order to do that. So that's interesting. So <clears throat> shifting gears a little bit. So John, in 2008, uh, you made Northwestern Mutual's top 20 for the first time. Uh, and that's been an amazing accomplishment for you. But you've also had other accomplishments, such as in mixed martial arts. And so they're both pretty incredible. So I'd like to hear, you know, two totally radically different things. One's professional and one is um, really um, personal. And I'd love to hear your experiences before and after those amazing accomplishments and maybe what they, um, how they were impacted by your faith or how your faith may have impacted uh, you in each of those two areas. So I had a bit of a, like, like many others, and I'm not here to complain. I had a bit of a a rough upbringing at home physically. Um, And I was introverted as a kid. And so I got picked on a lot at school and you compound that with my, uh, my, I'll call it fire and brimstone church upbringing. It was a a perfect combination of um, making me feel not good about myself, making me feel inferior at every level. And it, it, it resulted in a fight or flight situation. Now, in all aspects, I was motivated by a powerful combination of a fear, fear of failure and wanted to, wanting to prove that I was worth something. So this was the catalyst of a very long journey and a relentless drive to, to do anything I could to never be beaten again at pretty much anything. Um, I was initially obsessed with karate and making myself physically stronger. And I trained like a madman uh, with a fallacy that I could become physically invincible. And I took that same intense motivation to this unlimited platform of opportunity called Northwestern Mutual. Um, I was a textbook narcissist. I am not proud of that. I dramatically overcompensated for not feeling good about myself as a kid for all the reasons I stated. In karate, I trained six to seven days a week for years and years and years to get that coveted black belt because I thought, you know, if I ever was able to strap on that black belt, I would be physically invincible and be able to walk around and crush anything that I, I judge and jury determined to be evil. Um, and I was looking, I was always looking for trouble to be candid. Um, so when I tested for that black belt, um, and, and received it, um, Ron, you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. I thought, (laughs) The exact same as I did the day before. When I looked down, I just had a, a different color belt on. And um, same thing happened when I made top 20 for the first time. I had this dream that someday if I could ever make top 20, which I really didn't ever think was possible. But if I did, life would be a breeze. Um, the, you know, I, th- I thought that if I had that level of success, 
everything would be awesome. And it turns out that just isn't necessarily the case. The point is anything worldly that you make an idol, which I did, um, will always disappoint you. The only true joy comes from having a personal relationship with God, his son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, everything, everything else is empty. That's how it works. The things of this world, wood, hay, and stubble, right? They all, uh, they all end up being corrupted. <clears throat> but the Lord is 100% permanent forever. Uh, and that is so important. So does this mean, John, that you don't have goals anymore? Oh, my goals are different now. Can you uh, talk a little bit about what they look like today? Yeah. Um, my goal is to, <laughs> I was going to talk about this later, but I, I want to, when I'm judged someday, I just want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And anything and everything I can do going forward, I want to not just get stronger and grow in my faith going forward, but what can I do? How can I use this platform uh, of unlimited opportunity that we have through Northwestern Mutual to advance the kingdom? How can I use our time, our resources to advance the kingdom? Um, it's, I, I think Mark Gurley said, um, you know, death to self. And that is, that is it now. Um, nothing in this world is ever going to provide you true, true joy. The only thing that provides you true joy is walking and growing in your faith. And so, yeah, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's no. what I'm thinking well, about. I do want to get in a little bit more about that because that's getting into the platform. So we'll, we will talk about it. Um, but, but before we do that, this is the question that a lot of people really do want to know is as important as anything you could talk about. How in the world did you and Keith Wagner end up living 300 feet apart from each other? So in June, in June of 2020, during the height of the lockdown of COVID, I could not stand living under the communist regime known as Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan anymore. And one morning I woke up and I told Melinda, I think we should move to Dallas. And like all my other stupid ideas that, you know, I come up with, she quickly blew it off and thought it was just something that would quickly pass. Well, what she did not know is I was serious about it. And I started looking at, at houses on, on Zillow. Now, I knew nothing about the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but one of my military buddies from the Lone Survivor Foundation days always told me that Frisco, Texas was a cool place. And so I started looking on Zillow for houses on Frisco. And in June of 20, I found one that I thought would be really, really awesome. So in August of 20, under the, the you know, communist regime countrywide, you know, we went with our masks and we all escaped out to uh, Lake Tahoe uh, for Rebecca Bass 50th birthday party. And there was a bunch of us that went out there for that. And we rented a house on Lake Tahoe. And in one of the days, uh, we rented a what I would call a pontoon boat party barge. And if I remember correctly, it had like a chainsaw-powered margarita mixer on it or something like that. So anyway, um, after a couple adult beverages, I told my harebrained idea to some of the top integrated planners here in our company. And, at, you know, we all figured with our you know combined level of genius IQ that uh, if we bought this house in, in Texas, 
we would either get the house for free or actually make money on it based on the state income tax savings. I'm pretty sure that didn't end up being true. But I, the next morning, Melinda still at this point had no idea. You know, I told everybody else before I told her. She comes up from getting out of bed and everybody's gathered around this kitchen table in this house where I've got my laptop open and I'm flipping through slides or pictures of this house that I'd found in Frisco. And she's like, what's going on? And I ended up, you know, briefing her at that point, what was going on. And so she subsequently booked us a couple plane tickets to fly down to, to Texas. And we ended up looking at nine houses in the Frisco area. And we ended up just loving the house that I actually had found in June. Now, originally at that point, I had no idea Keith and Jeanette were thinking about moving to, to Texas and especially Frisco. But by divine intervention, um, well, anyway, we landed on a Friday and by Saturday at noon, we had the deal locked down and it was done. And um, it ended up being 300 feet by divine intervention from Keith and Jeanette, which has been amazing because we get to do life together and, you know, to have someone that's that close of a friend that lives that close and to be equally yoked in your faith is a, a real blessing that I can't ever even explain what that means. So that's how it ended up. That's awesome. And I'm going to, Keith, come on, you need to unmute for just a moment. Do you want to comment on anything that you just heard from John? You can disavow it if you like, or affirm it. Um, most of what he said was correct. <laughs> no, it, it worked out pretty much exactly. I think we we had bought a house and we're sharing with them and they had been looking at houses and it all it all turned out where uh whereas as John mentioned, uh, you know, perfectly uh just you know aligned and we're blessed to be neighbors. So um I'm gonna turn it back over to yeah. to John. <laughs> the, the reason I, I wanted everybody to see you is because I think you're touching, you're both touching on something that's really important. Uh, and the Bible speaks of this too in Proverbs, which is who you hang out with. It's really, really important. It can strengthen your faith. It can move you closer to God, or you can go in the other direction. Uh, and I just think it's wonderful that the Lord made that happen because I'm, I know that the two of you made each other, make each other better not just professionally, but also spiritually. And um, that's just a basic Bible principle. So I think it's really cool uh, that that happened the way it did. So um, when we we talked a little bit um, before we came on, and you we talked about the word accountability. So how, talk about that a little bit. How is accountability to others working right now in your life, John? So Obviously, anything you want to be successful at, you've got to have accountability. If you want to lose weight or get stronger, you need a workout partner or a trainer because it's way too easy to to make excuses. And you know, I don't. I'm too tired. I'm too sore. You know, I I don't feel like it. And you certainly train harder than you know than you would on your own if you've got a workout partner. Same thing goes with martial arts. Ron, I will just tell you, I know this because you've got a 10th degree black belt and almost everything, but um, it's hard to practice techniques on yourself. Very, very difficult. Um, same thing goes for our business. That's why we have client builder and study groups and even the ribbons and recognition that help keep us on track and be accountable for maintaining the activity that drives the success in our career. But most importantly, it goes for our faith. If, if we don't have, to your point, um, 
friends that lift us up, that are also believers, that, you know, all ships rise together. If we're not in Bible study, if we're not talking to God daily, which we call prayer, um, if we don't have, a, you know, a roadmap to follow on, our faith not only will shrink, which allows the, the devil to get a grip on you and attack you spiritually, much less it'll never grow. And so if, if we're not having accountability, if we're not doing the things that, uh, that we would do in every other aspect of our life that we want to be successful at, we're going to fail. I've tried it both ways, and I know that without some sort of accountability, I fail 100% of the time. Yeah, it's so true. And, uh, you know, I think it not only is critical, you're, critical, you're also touching on a little bit of what our our Christian fellowship community is all about, right? One of the things we're trying to do, and not everybody has a, a church environment that that they know and love, and even if they do, um, it can always be helpful to have other communities where you can really pour out what's going on in your life with others, and you can receive help, uh, and you know that you're going to be loved. And so we 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 feel strongly that this is another one of those avenues for people. I'm not trying to do an advertisement for Christian fellowship community, but Christian fellowship is critical for everybody and community is critical for everybody. Uh, and I, I love hearing you talk about it. Now, we have a lot of folks that are under five years uh, on this call. And a lot of them are thinking, if I can get to the fifth year, I know life's going to be good. Uh, a lot of people feel that way. Um, but, you know, you would think, we all know that after five years, it's not, it doesn't necessarily get easy. You just, there's always more to do. But as the all-time company leader, John, you're in a unique position. And, and I a lot of people must think that your struggles are over. I mean, you've hit the top of the mountain. What There's nothing left. What's the reality, though? So over the years, I placed a ton of pressure on myself to, to feel like I always needed to perform at a high level because it, to me, whether it was just me, it felt like it was expected. And um, that is a me problem. And as soon as I have those feelings and I feel like I'm in control, I know that I'm drifting away from my faith because at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm God's in control. I'm not. And, um, he's, he's driving this thing. I'm just a passenger. Um, God has blessed me with a, a platform to speak on many occasions, including today, I feel really strongly that I've got to be very, very thoughtful about everything I say <clears throat> to anyone inside or outside the home office, because when you are given a platform, you know, people sometimes pay attention to what you what you have to say. I, I don't feel any different than I ever did, but weirdly, I've been blessed with this platform and I hopefully hopefully will have a positive impact on helping as many people as possible in the system. But also, as I like to say, um, leave Northwestern Mutual better than I found it. And that is something that I feel very strongly about. I'm, I still can't believe this opportunity we've all been given. Uh, and what it's just unlimited. It's the greatest business opportunity in my mind um, possible. So we all have to be cognizant of how can we not just take from the system, but give back to the system. And now I'm starting to sound like a managing partner, so I'll shut up. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I'm not in this alone. And for the longest time, I felt like I was in this alone. And that was because I was thinking that this was all me. When in reality, when I stop, I, I step back and I and I think about the big picture, 
God has continuously shaped every step and marked off every step of, of my life. I It's a miracle I'm still alive for a lot of reasons. I've pretty much tried everything possible to get myself killed being an adrenaline junkie. And as Melinda says, you know, there's a legion of angels that are protecting me for from death and uh, they still are there. And, and so um, he's guiding every moment of every day. I'm just, like I said, a passenger, I'm not driving the ship. And every time I remember that and go to him in prayer, that pressure lifts off my, my shoulders. So. So John, would you say there's a, uh, there's a message there? Um, obviously you've had a unique platform given what, what you've done, but do you think it would be true that, that we all have something of a unique platform? Could we, could we transform that into our own lives? Talk a little bit about what's the platform that we all have. We all have an unlimited platform of opportunity. And the question is, and I will talk about this in a few minutes, perhaps, but what could we all be doing? What could we what more could we all be doing with our 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 time and our treasure to advance the kingdom? I mean, there's certain ways that we can all be challenged. And again, I'll chat about that in a couple minutes, but there's there's always more that can be done, and God will bless us and provide for us from my personal experience, whenever we step out on a limb and on a faith limb and just put our trust in him rather than putting our trust in our trust in ourselves, which it doesn't work so hot just to put your, put trust in yourself. Well, there's a good example, John, of when Uh, you put your trust in him. And I want to take you back. My example is uh, the prayer that you said at the last annual meeting. Oh, we have a picture of it. Wow. That that's amazing how you got that up that quickly. Um, so I, I would love to hear a little more about that, the circumstances <laughs> that really let you be, I'll just say, incredibly bold on that platform that you were given that we just talked about. Uh, and you and look at all the people, by the way, behind you, all of these top 20. I don't think there's anyone there that isn't praying along uh, with you, which I think is is as amazing as you're doing it yourself. So can you just talk uh, a little bit about that and what led you to be so bold? Sure. So in July of 1993, I attended my first annual meeting uh, in Milwaukee and I had not even signed a contract yet. It was kind of like a a tryout of this country, company, excuse me. Um, I was completely blown away by the meeting, uh, by the integrity of the people, by the message of always putting clients first. The whole, the whole creed of Northwestern Mutual just blew me away. You know, Denny Tamson's antics of how he entered, which I wish we would bring back today. Uh, Donald Schenke's retirement speech. Um, well, you know, what did he close with? Do the right thing, fight the good fight, keep the faith. Something I've never forgotten. But the the thing that really struck me was that the general session was open with prayer. And at that point, I knew this place is special, different, and this is where I want to spend my career. So um, about 10 years ago or so, the prayer was taken away for reasons I initially did not understand and frankly was quite upset about. I now I have a deeper understanding on why it had to happen. But in July of 2022, um, I had led the company and we were at 
uh, the dinner before the concert, before the, mm. the top threat in the Florida Georgia line concert with some of the top 20 members and the senior leadership team. And, and I was with you at that time. I know. All well, that's what I was yeah. going to say is that yeah. well, I was taught, all of a sudden an idea popped into my head and I ran it past you and Renee, mostly Renee, of course. But um, I said, what would you think if I made, if I was number one again, if I brought back the prayer and Renee and you were like, that's an awesome idea. And so then you and I ran around and talked to the rest of the SLT, including John and caucus for this harebrained idea. And um, they, everyone was like, listen, if you are number one and you earn that platform and we give you the microphone, if you want to take your time to pray, go for it. And I was like, awesome. So the next 12 months, I was not motivated by ribbons or recognition or anything. I was motivated to be number one, so I could take advantage of that platform and bring back the prayer. So maybe somebody in the audience would be touched like I was back in 1993. So a year later, it happened. I was number one. I was given the platform. And I don't normally get nervous when I talk. And I never use a teleprompter because I think it's supposed to be from, you know, it's more authentic and it's from the heart. So I was in the Kelly Dalsky, my good friend in, in the meetings and uh, planning division, whatever we call it now, um, set me up in a makeshift green room backstage. And, you know, I was organizing my thoughts and what I wanted to say. And she came and said, OK, John, we got 10 minutes to go. We got five minutes to go. And then she's like, John, the, the rest of the top 20 are walking out on stage. You need to get your butt out here now. It's I mean, no more. We got to go. So as I'm walking to, you know, through the from the back green room to, to go walk up on stage. Once I walked up those steps and those lights hit my face, literally everything I was going to talk about left me. It's like the devil erased my entire talk and I had no idea. I just, I was just there. I think God erased it, not the devil, but go ahead. Well, that's possible, but I'm going to blame the devil. But anyway, I don't even know how I started talking. I don't know how I began my talk, but what I can tell you is the word started to flow and that was absolutely not me speaking. That was um, the Holy Spirit taking over and I was just a vessel at that point. And um, I really don't even, I didn't remember what I said. In fact, I didn't even know what I said until I watched a recording later on. Um, so I was, you know, I, again, I was just a vessel and this was just further evidence to me that that God and the Holy Spirit's always there, and He's got our back all the time. That we're being obedient and stepping out of our comfort zone to to advance His kingdom. Yeah, if we can just get out of the way, it's amazing what the Lord can do. And yeah. that was just an an amazing thing. And and I remember when we were scurrying around a little bit uh, at that dinner when when you came up with that. And the thing that I'll remember, too, is uh, the head of HR was the first one to, to say, it's your platform, man. That's and awesome. That was an awesome moment. Um, so I think that's really true for anybody that uh, reaches number one if uh, they have an opportunity to do that. Well, and so, I want to thank you and Renee, Ron, because you, know, you could have shut it down right there, but you being a diligent servant, you know, you had influence on the rest of the SLT and, you know, we did it together. So thank you. Well, but mostly thank you to Renee. 
I, I will definitely tell her. Now she's going to be sad that she missed this. Okay, so uh, let me ask you this. Uh, what have you learned um, in general in your life? God's love certainly changed your life. Give us some encouragement about the platforms that we have as we move forward. Well, first of all, um, I mentioned earlier what an idiot, idiot I was, driven by childhood scars and unresolved anger to think that I was the one that could determine who or what was evil and then hopefully have the opportunity uh, to physically crush whatever thing I judged to be evil. Um, that was, I was out looking for it in hindsight all the time. And the Bible's pretty clear that God says justice is his and not ours. In fact, I would say the greatest antidote to evil is love. And that only comes from a consistent, raw, personal relationship with God, his son, who did all the heavy lifting for us on the cross in the first place. Um, and then through study and prayer, um, I also know that for me anyway, I need to be on alert for anything in my life that I place a higher priority on than my relationship with God, because I believe that becomes a form of idolatry. So that could be any hobbies, uh, martial arts, um, social media, the regular media, who I believe is just there to divide us, um, cars, houses, keeping up with the Joneses, um, whatever, anything that you spend your time and energy on that you put a greater emphasis on then you're advancing your relationship with God is an idol. And we've got to be cognizant of that, including this career, by the way. Um, so, and the other thing I would mention is in, in Matthew six twenty, it says, you know, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths don't destroy th thieves don't break in and steal. Um, and I've also heard it say, or said, you know, you can't outgive God. <clears throat> so some, we were introduced to some now friends of ours who are probably the most prominent and well-known um, donors and advancers of the kingdom of God financially in the country. And um, we met with them in a small group in Washington, D.C., and they shared with us that several years ago, they had decided as a family to give 50% of 50% of their net operating income to advancing the kingdom every year. And what was fascinating is showed a PowerPoint uh, to our small group of what happened financially to the company as soon as they made that decision. And um, they couldn't outgive God. And so led by Melinda, I give her all the credit. Um, we started two years ago stepping out on a limb, which was really, really hard for me. I am not, it's, it was terrifying for me, giving, uh, I'll call larger financial gifts. And I'm, I pretty much, I think I know how to read our commission statements and I, I think I'm decent at math. Um, but somehow, even after that first gift we gave, our bank account didn't seem to be dented at all. In fact, it was almost replenished and I still don't know how, dollar for dollar on the on the first year that we we gave for us a very significant amount. This past year, the exact same thing happened. And I, I will tell you that 
it's not about the fact that it didn't hurt. It's the fact that it just shows that God is always faithful. If we're faithful to him, he's faithful to us. And I've never felt such true joy in being able to give. I would tell you, historically, I gave out of guilt or obligation. You know, we were taught you got to tithe 10% and, you know, probably did it reluctantly. Um, but now it's a totally different feeling. Now it's like, what kind of challenge I'm challenged? Like, what can we do? What cool projects can we get involved in to advance the kingdom? What kind of impact can we make? Uh, I've never had so much fun doing this before. Um, and it's not me. It's just being obedient. And by the way, again, I give Melinda all the credit because she really was the the catalyst behind it. Um, I know so many of you all are generous with your time and resources. And as I mentioned earlier, um, the challenge is, could we all do more? What would it look like? What would the impact be if we all did more with our time and resources? Hmm. I know God will be faithful to us if we are joyfully using our time and resources to advance his kingdom. But what would that look like as a collective group? How much collective impact could we make with just this group here? So, you know, we have an unlimited opportunity to help our clients financially be our own boss and make an amazing living doing it. Um, that through that opportunity, we have the, the opportunity to witness to others, love on others, and joyfully give our resources to advancing the kingdom. It, this is an unlimited opportunity in which we truly are, as the state, statement goes, blessed to be a blessing. Uh, I just wonder how we could all push each other more to max out this opportunity of unlimited, unlimited opportunity that we've all been granted. Fantastic. It reminds me of something a friend of mine once said. He said, uh, Christian friend said, you know, Ron, the last thing I want to be is a tithing Christian. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He said, I don't want to just give 10% of my life to Christ. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and you just touched on that with what you were saying. We don't want to be tithing Christians, right? We want to give our lives. So that's awesome. So thank you so much, John. And for uh, really j just amazing insight into your life and your career and your faith. Um, and so I, I, I just, I want to thank you, Keith Wagner, for speaking up today too. Um, but in any case, um, thank you everybody for participating today, for being here. Um, we, as I told you before and promise you, there will be a short survey in your chat box. Please fill it out. We'd love to, to get your thoughts. Um, by the way, next month, we will not have a CFC forum session because we will be at the regional meetings. Uh, I hope everyone, I'll see everyone at the uh, at the Orlando Regional. I will be there. And Chris Kuhn, I know, will be there. And I can't wait to uh, see everybody holding his book. I love that cover, Chris, if you're on. And I love the book, too. I got to read it. And so um, I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, what we're going to do now is we will sort of officially end it. But we're going to have this, uh, what we call the afterglow. So um, we'll give everybody a moment. And then anyone who would like to stay on and chat, we're going to stick around for a little bit. And we'd love to hear from you. And um, and if you have a question for John, that would be a great time to do it. So thanks, everybody, for, uh, for tuning in with us today. We'll see you next time and at the regionals. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. 
CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual. Listeners of Christian Fellowship Community Presentations and any recordings acknowledge that these productions are exclusively owned by CFC and listeners agree to only use for their listening and not to make any use for any commercial reason.